It's great to be with you this morning, just to bring God's word. What a privilege it is, isn't it, to, and a responsibility to, to open God's word in front of his people. Um, as Ada was um, lighting the candle this morning, I was just thinking about <clears throat> the tradition of Advent and how in the Celtic tradition they, they actually celebrated the three comings of Jesus. First of all, the coming as a baby to Bethlehem, which demonstrated God's wonderful love to us. Uh, coming daily into our lives as, he, as we seek him and he empowers us on a daily basis. And then finally, the coming in glory when he shall come uh, at the trumpet, like the final trumpet call, and all, every eyes will see him, every knee will bow to him. And I just think, just thinking how it really fits so aptly with uh, the, the, the text which God has put on my heart this morning. Um, so let's dive into God's word, shall we? <laughs> John's Gospel, um, it's a wonderful Gospel, and if I can just set the scene that Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples, he's had the, the Last Supper, and then this is the three chapters in John's Gospel, chapters 14, 15 and 16, uh, which happened just before he has his wonderful prayer in chapter 17, and then they go off to the Garden of Gethsemane in chapter 18. But these three chapters, 14, 15 and 16, uh, arguably uh, the most intimate passages in the Bible, intimate between Jesus and his disciples. And I would actually say intimate between you and me and Jesus as well because they've made the canon of Scripture and they're for us as well. And may I even argue even further that the focal point of these three chapters are just three verses in John chapter 15, verses 9 to 11. I'll read it to you. I want to read it in the Passion Translation. It's a lovely translation. This is Jesus talking. I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. Let me repeat that. I love each of you with the same love that the Father loves me. You must continually let my love nourish your hearts. If you keep my commands, you will live in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands. For I continually live nourished and empowered by his love. My purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. Wonderful words, aren't they? Jesus is saying... I love you with this, in the same way that the Father God loves me. Just think about that for a moment. I love you the same way the Father God loves me. But do you know, before we actually think about any deeper on that, I'm, I'm aware that this morning there must be, almost certainly will be some, who did not or do not have a very good father figure in their lives. I don't think Pete's here this morning. Pete Gray, is he? But I, I remember going with Pete some years ago to Portland Prison. He was, he'd been asked to take a, the first session of an Alpha course. And he said, Phil, will you come along with me? And on the way, Pete was actually explaining the do's and don'ts of going into prison. The don't go into prison. <laughs> but, <laughs> but he's saying that, you know, things like don't give them your address and all that sort of thing. And he mentioned as well that, you know, when you're talking to the inmates... Be careful about saying, referring to God as your father. 
because a lot of them are from single families or they have a, a poor relationship with their father. And I thought, that's a really good advice. But I must say this now. God, our God, is a perfect father. And when Lynn and I were travelling in America uh, in October to see her parents, we had a long road trip and we called in at the Billy Graham Library, which is a museum really, and I picked up this, this piece of paper, which is uh, some, some samples from when Billy Graham wrote a spiritual advice column for the, for the uh, Chicago Tribune newspaper in the 1950s. And one of, the, one of the letters that he was asked, one of the questions Billy Graham was asked was, when I hear people refer to God as our Heavenly Father, I get real uptight. My father was very abusive. And if that's what God is like, I don't want anything to do with him you'll probably say God isn't like this, but how do you know? Signed, K.S. Billy Graham said, no, God isn't like this, not at all. God is our perfect and loving Heavenly Father, and his every thought and every action towards us is motivated by his love. The Bible says, God is love. We love because he first loved. That's 1 John 4. 4 verses 16 and 19. He then goes on to say, I'm sorry your father wasn't the kind of person he should have been. I know this may have scarred you emotionally and even filled you with anger or bitterness, which can be like poison to the soul if you aren't careful. I'm concerned too that since he wasn't a healthy role model, you may have a hard time being the kind of father your children need. I pray this won't be the case, but you should be alert to the changes. The Bible says, fathers, do not embitter your children. In Colossians 3, 21. How do I know God isn't like this? I know it for several reasons, including the good things he does for us every day. But I know it most of all because of Jesus Christ, who left heaven's glory and came down to earth solely because he loves us. The Bible says, this is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we may live through him. That's in 1 John chapter, nine, chapter 4, verse 9. By a simple prayer of faith, ask Christ to come into your life. Then thank him for his love and his forgiveness. And thank him too for his power to heal your past and help you in the future. Billy Graham didn't pull his punches. He told it straight from the word of God. You know, every thought and every action of God towards us is motivated by his love for us. Yeah. As a perfect father, God knows exactly what we need. He knows what is best for us. And he knows what is necessary for us. Billy Graham quotes from 1 John 4, 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Now, Jesus told a parable that demonstrates or illustrates this sort of father's love. It's the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15. And for those who are not familiar with it, it goes a bit like this. As the father had two sons, and one of them said to his dad, right, okay, I want my share of the inheritance. I want it now. And off he went. <laughs> and off he went, and he squandered it all on riotous living. But of course, once his money ran out, 
all his friends ran out. They all deserted him. And he ended up feeding the pigs and, and he was eating their slop because he was so hungry. And suddenly he came to his senses and thought, you know, my father hires many servants and they are all much better off than this. So he decided to return home and he begged his father to take him on as a hired servant. Let me just pick up the story again from the Passion Translation. From a long distance away, his father saw him coming, dressed as a beggar. And great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son who was returning home. So the father raced out to meet him. He swept him up in his arms and he hugged him dearly and he kissed him over and over with tender love. Then the son said, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be. The father interrupted and said, Son, you're home now. Wow, what, what, a, what a powerful illustration of the father's love. Do you know, this is personal for every single one of us here this morning. Affects every single one of us here this morning. Jesus loves you in the same way as his good and perfect Father loves him. Now, I'm aware that a great many of us here today will know this, but let it sink in again. Just let it sink in afresh. Jesus loves you as his Father, as Father God loves him. I really feel that this morning, that if you are here today and you have never known that you are loved by Jesus, I want you to hear this. These are the words from Billy Graham's letter. Jesus loves you so much that he left the glory of heaven and he came to earth solely because he loves you. He loves us. He loves you. Do you know, if you don't know Jesus and his love, I would beg you, don't leave here today without doing something about it. Jesus is not, is not somebody, someone who's afar off. He's like the Father. He's looking out. He's looking out for you. If you don't know Jesus, he's looking for you now. He's looking for, the, for you coming towards him. And when he sees you, he'll come to you and he'll reach out to you. And as the prodigal son does, we need to come to Jesus and we need to say, Jesus, I was wrong. I've sinned against you. I don't deserve to be called your son. And do you know what Jesus will do? He'll put his arms around you and you'll feel his love. Do you know, if, you've, if you're feeling God speaking to you here this morning, I would say respond now. We don't know what tomorrow may bring. If you don't know Jesus, the most important decision you could ever make in your life is to respond. Now, I would be quite happy if people felt, Jesus, I want to come to you. That you just respond now. Stand up, put your hand up. There's plenty of people here who will take you to the side and pray with you. You don't have to wait until I finish speaking. 
just respond to Jesus now. Do you know Jesus doesn't only tell us that he loves us, but he invites us to remain in his love. Actually, invites is too, is too not strong enough word at all. Jesus stresses how important it is to continually let his love nourish our hearts. As other translations say, he says, abide in my love or remain in my love. Jesus invites us to travel with him, to stay with him, to continually enjoy his presence. Now, we can never ever alter the truth that Jesus loves us. Jesus is love. God is love. We can never get away from that fact. He has always loved us and he always will love us with a perfect love, whoever we are, whatever we've done. That fact remains. But when Jesus says, remain in my love, this implies an action that we, that you, that I need to carry out. We need to do something to remain in his love. So how do we remain in his love? How do we continually let his love nourish our hearts? Well, Jesus doesn't leave us guessing. Verse 10, he tells us, if you keep my commands you will live in my love. Then Jesus goes on to tell us that that he continually lives nourished and empowered by his Father's love because he has kept his Father's commands. The relationship that Jesus has with his Father, he wants us to have that same relationship with him. So what are these commands? Okay, have you got your pens and paper ready? (laughs) Ready for a big long list? Who likes long lists? Yeah. I'm going to disappoint. <laughs> I thought you might face it. I'm, go- <laughs> I'm going to disappoint you, I'm afraid. Because it, it comes down to, to really one command. And it might sound a really easy command, but I tell you, it's not. It's a, it's a command which is achievable only by God's grace and by his help. We need to go beyond my three verses, actually. And we look at verse 12. Uh, and this is repeated in verse 17 in chapter 15 of John's Gospel. So this is my command. Are you ready? Love each other deeply as I have loved you. Let me say that again. Love each other deeply as I have loved you. So as much as I have loved you. How much does Jesus love you? How much does he love you? Does he love you enough to turn water into wine? Of course he does, yeah. Does he love you enough to feed a crowd that you're in? Yes, he does. Does he love you enough to calm a storm, to perform healings, etc.? All these things we read about in the Gospels. Yes, yes, he does. But much, much more than this, he loved us enough to lay down his life for you and me. You know, once, uh, some, once uh, a few years back, a dear friend of ours who wasn't following Jesus, he said, I can't understand why Jesus had to die for me. Why did Jesus have to die for me? And the question, so the question is, because we are all sinners, 
Listen to what God's word says in Romans, Romans 3.23, very famous verse. We have all sinned, but we are in need of the glory of God. And then Romans 6.23, they're two good, brilliant verses to remember. 3.23, 6.23 in Romans. 6.23 says, for the sin's meagre wages is death, but God's lavish gift to us is life eternal, found in our union with our Lord Jesus anointed one that's how much Jesus loved us we were sinners destined for death but Jesus came to bring to actually redeem us to bring, bring a, a ransom for sin into our lives do you know love um, the people, folk in our mission community group are fed up with me saying it but love is sacrificial love, real love is sacrificial Jesus has showed us that by giving his life so that we may live. And so we receive the command from Jesus, love each other deeply as I have loved you. Right, is anybody still unclear as to what this means? Let me read on into verse 13. For the greatest love of all is the love that sacrifices all. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life for his friends. Wow. Can we do a little thought experiment this morning? Can I, there's three stages to this. Can I ask you to think of a friend or a loved one or somebody very dear to you? Just think of them. You can look at them if you like. Um, Now, ask yourself the question, do you love that person enough to lay down your life for them? Some may say yes, some may say I'm not sure. I don't want this to be a gimmick now. Do we believe God's here this morning? We do, don't we? We just feel his presence. I'm just going to ask God. I, I, I want, in fact, I want us all to, all to pray. Very simple prayer. So, just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, fill our hearts with your love. Amen. Do you believe that? God's answered that prayer. Think about your friend. Do you, do you, how do you feel about it now? How do you feel? Would you lay down your life for them? Has it made a difference? Stage three. Think of somebody you have difficulty loving. Don't look at them. Keep hands to the ground. But think of somebody, you know, it happens to all of us. Think of somebody you have difficulty in loving. Question, would you be willing to lay down your life for that person? Do you know, Jesus did just that. He laid down his life. I mean, he he loved us all, so there's nobody he had difficulty living. But Jesus was indiscriminate in his love for the world. He laid down his life for everyone. He loved us enough for this. And he wants us to do the same. Is that hard? Of course it is, yes. But I would say the key is this, is learning to love the Father, the source of all love. Do you remember when Jesus was asked, what are the greatest commandments? Do you remember his answer was? To 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. The two are in, uh, they're, they're linked together so, so inseparably. Separably, I can't say it. Inseparably. They go together. The love of the Father is what gives us love for each other. We can't do it on our own. We'll be given love graciously by God. The sacrificial, sacrificial love for one another by just seeking God and seeking his love. If you love Jesus, keep his commands. Love one another. Do you know, in, John's chapter, in John chapter 14 and chapter 15, Jesus repeated that. If you love me, you'll obey me on my commands. He repeated it eight times. Eight times. And this is a discourse after a meal before they went off to a garden to pray. Can you imagine if you said something eight times to somebody, they think, yeah, okay, we'll get the, get the message. So Im- how important it is to love each other. It really is. I mean, most, most, a lot of the Gospels and a lot of these epistles are re- related and they deal with relationships with each other. It's amazing when you start looking at it. I mean, if I had to sort of to sum up um, the Christian faith in one word, I would say relationships. Relationships. So what about us? How does that apply to us this morning? If there are broken relationships between us, if, there, if we're out of fellowship with anybody, we need to repent and put right these relationships. When we share communion, when we remember the Lord's death by sharing bread and wine, one thing we should do, we shouldn't come to the table unless we've actually put these things right in our lives. Ask God, ask God to replace any bad feelings, any bad attitudes with love. So why was Jesus telling us all, all these things? Verse 11 tells us that. My purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. The joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. Somebody once said to me that we can get happiness from all sorts of places, um, but joy is something that only comes from God. What is joy? A quick search on the word of joy in the Bible reveals I was quite surprised. It reveals a special characteristic. It overflows. It's something that overflows. And to overflow means that we will have an impact on those around us. Various uses of the word joy in the describable describe it as without limits, continual, blossoming, indescribably sublime and immersed in glory, uncontainable, filling the city. That's at Acts chapter 8. And in Luke 1.47, it says, My spirit bursts with joy over my life-giving God. Joy is an amazing thing. And Jesus wants us to experience this joy to overflowing. It's also a fruit of the Holy Spirit living in our lives. It's number two, love Joy. Joy is an important thing that, we, that we, we can all experience. And Jesus is telling us these things, that his joy may remain in us. 
and that our joy may be full to overflowing. Joy is something not gained by effort, but given by love, by the love of God. I'll say that again. Joy is something not gained by effort, but given by love. Um, C.S. Lewis in his memoirs, um, he quotes, there's a quote, it's actually a misquote, I've doctored a bit. uh, (laughs) So, I'm sorry about that. Oops. But if you forgive me, I'm sure he will. (laughs) Um, He says, I doubt that anyone who has experienced and tasted joy would ever exchange it for all the pleasures in the world. I'll say it again. I doubt that anyone who has experienced and tasted joy would ever exchange it for all the pleasures in the world. Joy is a gift to us from a Father who loves us. It's a joy, it's a gift from the Father who loves us intimately. I've nearly finished now, so I'm just going to just try and let us focus on that love. We need to come humbly to our loving Father today. We need to come humbly to our loving Father today. Come and experience the overflowing joy he gives. And as you humble yourself, feel his arms of love around you, hugging you dearly, showing his tender love. And hear him say, my son, my daughter, you're home now. Lord God, we just want to thank you that indescribable love, Lord, we've been singing about it. Lord, your word is just full of your love for us. God, we just want to come before you, humbled humbled by your love, humbled by, by the fact that you want us to remain in that love, Lord. Give us, each one of us, the love for, our, for each other, or that sacrificial love that even that we, we would be willing to go and lay down our lives for each other. Lord, it's by that love that the world will know that we are your disciples. Lord, it's that love which will draw people in, that unconditional love, that sacrificial love. Lord, but we realise, we acknowledge it only comes from you. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.